0: Promoting trade in environmental goods and low-carbon technologies can be a powerful tool to combat the climate crisis, but there can be no green trade without green shipping. In this episode, we speak to Senior Economist Jasmine Groschel and Sector Advisor Maria La Torre about how to green global trade, one container at a time. Hello, Maria and Jasmine. Welcome to the
1: podcast. Hello, Maria.
0: Hello, Maria. To start, can you explain for our listeners why is it important to consider global trade when thinking about the green transition?
2: So, it's very interesting because um, green trade can actually help to combat the climate crisis. So, it can help um, countries to manage the green transition better um, by basically distributing green goods and technologies. Um, For example, this could be septic tanks or catalytic converters that are needed for vehicles. And they can be developed and deployed and diffused um, in in a higher pace. And the most important thing is actually that we can actually distribute these goods and technologies from developed countries, where they're mainly produced, to developing countries that are a bit behind. So the good thing is that green trade is generally on the rise. So it has increased from about 2.7% of global trade in 2000 to around 7.7% in 2022. But as I said before, so it's mostly developed countries that are at the forefront. So it's European economies that actually rank among the top exporters, uh, even though they're now a bit outpaced uh, by China. Um, And the interesting fact is that the U.S. is actually falling behind. Um, But just to mention um, um, a last couple of exporters, so uh, Germany, Japan and South Korea are actually the largest producers of green goods at the moment.
0: What would you say is holding back growth in global green trade?
2: So So it's mainly tariffs and non-tariff barriers. Um, So tariffs are on average um, 2.7 percentage points lower on green goods than on conventional goods. So it's about uh, about 5.4 percent for green goods compared to 8.6 percent for all goods on average globally in 2022. Um, This is good because for green goods, it's lower than for conventional goods, but still they're pretty high. So we calculated that removing tariffs on green goods could actually boost export volumes by over 10% per year, which would actually amount to about 184 billion US dollars globally per year. So this is good news, but um, it's really the protectionist measures that that are the main obstacles for green trade. So there, uh, by that, I mean um, non-tariff measures, for example, mainly technical barriers to trade and export related measures, for example, export quotas that are put forward on these goods and technologies. One last point there, the good news is that in 2022, for example, only 3.3% of these non-tariff measures that were um, appointed to global trade um, were actually in force affecting green products. So it's a still a small number, but it's still holding back trade in green goods and technologies. And it's mainly in machinery and electrical and in chemical products that are affected by these non-tariff barriers.
0: In the report, you write that there can be no green trade without green shipping. Why is that?
1: Well, around 11 billion tons of goods uh, are carried by sea every year globally, which represents 85% of total world trade. So it makes no sense to talk about green trade without analyzing where the maritime sector stands in terms of decarbonization. So today, shipping is responsible for only about 3% of global greenhouse gas emissions. However, we should keep in mind that as global trade is expected to triple by 2050, this share could surge to 17% by then if no action is taken. So in this line, the IMO, for instance, recently set a more ambitious target for reducing greenhouse gas emissions, aiming now to reach net zero by or around 2050. And let's remember that the previous target was to reduce CO2 emissions only by 50% by mid-century. So in order to achieve this ambitious but necessary goal, massive investments should be done, not only from governments, but of course also from shipping companies, um, whether to buy new ve- vessels um, equipped with uh, cutting edge technologies or to install screw bears or to re- um, retrofit old engines. Luckily, 13 of the world's 30 largest shipping companies have already set a net zero target between 2040 and 2060. And thanks to the record profits ripped uh, from skyrocketing freight prices in the past two years, the sector was able to enlarge their capital expenditures by 70% in 2021 and by 13% in 2022, which is far above the 10-year historical average of only 3%. Is this going to be enough? Well, we believe that although notable investments are being made, much more effort and cooperation is needed for achieving the mid-century goal. On the corporate side, we know, for example, that revenues in the sector are expected to drop this year and in 2024 as well, given that freight rates have Uh, normalized now, and however, we expect capital expenditures will continue growing since shipping companies are running a race against time uh, to achieve the net zero goals. Um, So considering that the volume of goods transported by sea is progressively growing and that around 50% of existing container ships will have to be renewed or retrofitted by mid-century, we estimate that the sector will have to invest a minimum of $23 billion per year to achieve the net zero goal by 2050. And so when we look at the cash flow statement of the 30 largest carriers, for instance, we see that actually they can afford these annual investments until 2030, even without external financing, as together they recorded around one hundred and sixty five billion dollars of free cash flow in 2022. But after 2030, decarbonizing shipping will require more international cooperation to rise and to re- redistribute both financial resources and know-how, especially to support careers in less developed countries, which have the oldest ocean fleet in the world, and also the ones that um, who lack the financial resources to bear the cost of um, the cost of going green on their own. So besides the financial resources, there is another difficulty, which is the concentration of shipbuilding know-how and engineering capacity, as the world relies on Asia on this matter. As a fact, China, South Korea, and Japan manufacture together around 98% of global container ship capacity. So while they have taken the lead in developing zero-emission vessels and the associated infrastructure, they have also been operating at full capacity, given that new orders reached record highs. Um, and we should keep in mind that not only carriers are acquiring new ships, but also cruise liners and governments because they have been uh, expanding their naval budgets. And so because of this, Construction and delivery periods are getting longer and also because today's vessels are more complex to engineer and manufacture. And at the end, the aftermath is a production bottleneck that slows down the the decarbonization plans of the sector.
0: So clearly decarbonizing the sector is no easy task. What are the next steps in terms of financing and policy?
2: Yeah, so we really need to push the benefits of green trade forward. And for that, we need collective action. increase the supply of green technologies, to lower the price for these technologies and products, and also to boost the economy to be able to achieve net zero targets. And to do this we actually see five main areas that would actually promote green trade. The first would be that we need to agree on the definition of green products among key international institutions and governments. This is no easy task and this has been holding back multilateral and also regional agreements um, in this area. The second one would be that we need clear guidelines and standards for sustainable production and consumption, as well as financing initiatives such as uh, tax breaks, for example, for businesses that are engaged in green trade. And also potentially to introduce green loans within the next Basel regulations um, for the banking sector. The third point would be that we would need increased investment in green technologies and infrastructure. This also would include funding in research and development of renewable energy sources, energy efficient technologies, or also sustainable transportation systems. The fourth point would be that um, trade agreements, be it multilateral or regional trade agreements, uh, would need to include more provisions that actually encourage the adoption of environmentally friendly practices, and that actually then reduce Um, carbon emissions within these agreements and partners. Um, And the five point is that we really need to incentivize consumers to buy green products, for example, through appropriate labeling, like green scores, or also through public uh, price subsidies to actually make them choose the green product over the more conventional product. And if we are able to actually address all these factors, we believe that we can actually create and enable an environment um, for green trade that would thrive globally. And this would actually, in the end, help us to um, contribute to mitigate climate change, but it would also foster economic development and improve the overall well-being of societies in general.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.